What's up, guys? Welcome to Fit Food Radio. This is episode 160. Hello. We're flying through them at the minute. We are so not. Yeah, you're right. Not when you compare how long we've been around. True. When some people are on there. They're in thousands, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. What am I on about? (laughs) (laughs) We've got work to do. Um, Oh, by the way, it's Matt Matt Whitmore and Keris Marsden, obviously. Do you think we need to do that now? No, I don't think so. Just say it's us. You do it very organically, though, so... What do you mean? I don't know. It just kind of rolls off the tongue with you. Hey, Matt here. Doesn't, so it is quite... Yeah, if you were new, if this was the first time you listened to the podcast, obviously. Yeah, true. People tend to now listen to obviously the latest one and then work their way back, don't they? Yeah, because I mean, I'm trying to think of what I tend to do with podcasts. Because if I come across a podcast, I obviously go by the topic and, and yeah. or who the guest is. Yeah, same. I find it quite hard to go too far back, don't you, sometimes? Yeah. Especially if they're discussing like current affairs and it may be... By that I mean like news or like the latest films and stuff right, like that. Yeah. It's gonna be so outdated now, but weirdly you still pick up nuggets and stuff. Don't yeah, of course you? you do. Of course you do. Like, but for me it's more like you know because I mean the main podcast I listen to now. I mean I, I can't remember the last time I listened to a nutrition podcast or anything, and and that's not because I'm I think I'm a noddy know it all. <laughs> it's just because like we spoke about a couple of podcasts ago, like I'm almost you found your place. Well, no, yeah, yeah but I'm also I'm just craving other things oh, I think idea, like conversation and things yeah like conversation yeah, yeah. and also like just getting a bit more of an insight into other passions of mine you know beyond training and nutrition yeah because otherwise you just feel like your entire life is exercise and nutrition yeah, you know but equally like even if I really like the podcast I don't think there's any podcast that I've listened to every episode because I might look at the the guest and what they're talking about and I'm like yeah no I don't I'm not really bothered about that and I'll keep going over like, oh, this sounds interesting. I'll yeah. listen to that one yeah, yeah. type thing. But but maybe I need to be more open-minded. Just listen anyway, because you never it, know. It's really hard because I just think there's, this is a bit like when you work with a personal trainer or a nutritionist. You've kind of got to have that connection, haven't you? Yeah. And it, it is really hard. We're all really different. Some people recommend podcasts to me and I'm a bit like, I can't listen to that. It's just, no offence, it just doesn't resonate with me or, you know, yeah, it's yeah. not a regional accent. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> way too posh for me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but then I just, I just, yeah, it's, it's a- accentist. Yeah, because I know it's like judgment, and it's a, it's a bad thing that I do. But I spoke to a friend about this who's also northern, and we were both kind of saying we instantly feel, I suppose, intimidated and slightly inferior to someone yeah. who speaks this like you know like Some Queen's English very... RP, you know, just yeah, and and they're especially I find it very intimidating. Bear in mind, I've got a degree in history and English, but if their language is very sophisticated. Mm. I find I'm listening going, that makes me feel a bit bad. I don't use clever words like that. Well, isn't like, that interesting? That, like never, that, that never crosses my existential, mind. Existential, whenever I hear that, mm. makes me go, yeah. really intelligent person. I've never used that in a sentence. <laughs> That's why I hang out with you. Yeah. <laughs> You're hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, like we, we're very colloquial and I don't really write for a living. So I'm, I suppose when I listen to podcasts by writers, I feel a bit intimidated because I love, I do like writing. I like writing blogs. We've written books. But then it makes me feel like I can't write because I don't use this language. But then equally, me and you never use this language. We don't use that language. I've never told my friends anything about existentialism. But mm. for some reason, I feel like I should when I listen to these podcasts with these where they've got such great vocabulary in there. I don't even repertoire. know what it means. Moving on. What does it mean? I don't know. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's funny. Google th- it quickly now. Do you know, that was very brave of me to admit that I don't know. I'm trying to get better at this, saying I don't know. I actually don't yeah. know. You, well, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Okay, I'm yeah, going to look go, You can Google that. You can Google that. Isn't no. it? I think it's, is it like beyond self or something? I'm going to guess now. Let's see. 
hang on, existential. Because I've never felt that way. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, if I'm listening to something, someone uses a word, and I'm like, cool. No. I've, I've never used that word. I don't even know what that word means. Oh, okay. It, what does it mean? I've then? got that completely wrong. Relating to existence, affirming or implying the existence of a thing. That would make sense. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't you just say, because it exists then? Oh, I don't that know. That exists? Then I don't understand that. I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. That, yeah, it doesn't sound as good. <laughs> I'm going to find ways that I can throw that word yeah, in sentences now. Should we, we, you bring a word to every podcast that we're going to try and say in sentence? When we're out and about, just walking the dog, chatting with someone, <laughs> and we'll challenge each other. Well, it's funny though, isn't it? How like, we, we've said this. Oh, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. <laughs> We should each day we, can, we, we should we should just try and find a random word and it'd be like your your challenge is you got to fit that in in a sentence. But amazing if you like if you don't actually know how to do it properly and you be like how are you doing today? You go well. I'm just glad to be like existential. I'm just existential today. I mean, I've never been so existential yeah. as I am right now. Oh, your dog's just poo. There's an existential poo there. It definitely exists. Yeah, the, the, the context doesn't seem right there. But, no, it doesn't. But that's why I say I listen to podcasts. When yeah, but, use but you it. would just say like that. That exists. Means it's, it's, it's existential. I don't know. I'm going to find a word for you. You find a word for me. But it's but certain words like you know when you hear a word and you're like that's a cool word that is. And I've said this before, I'm sure. But you just you then find yourself like wanting to use it. Like I like the word susceptible. Oh, yeah. I don't know why it's a good word. Yeah. And I just try and use it as often as I can. You know what I mean? You could use that on a dog walk, easy. They go, how, how are you doing today? How are you guys getting on? Well, we're feeling a bit susceptible to COVID right now. Yeah. <laughs> or susceptible to the cold weather. Yeah. <laughs> so I Still put sounds on, weird. So I, put, so I put on a big jacket, yeah. so I was less susceptible <laughs> to the cold weather. <laughs> oh, dear. But I also feel like... Deary me. Deary me. Deary me. Like one of my problems is when I'm not working, you know, because life can feel quite intense at the moment mm. with everything that we're doing. So when I'm not working, I tend to like want to read a magazine or I'm not even going to confess to what I'm watching on iPlayer right now because it's literally killing brain cells every episode that I watch. It's like below Hollyoaks. That's how bad it is. And I don't know why I can't stop watching it. I'm totally enthralled in the storyline. And at times I like literally look at it and go, what are you doing? There's an element to which it's an, it's based in the North. So I think it's making me have, a, right. you know, I feel a bit homesick. And I love this time of year. It reminds bit, me of... A bit of nostalgia. Yeah. It reminds me of loads of Christmases at home, school, school and stuff like that. But I think you can almost feel like my, you know, like my vocabulary is almost suffering as a result of the things that I'm actually reading in my spare time or watching on tv you know like that's that's another concern of mine like yeah. i've lost the ability to write as in like, hold a pen and write because i never do it yeah so now i'm like wondering if i'm just an email. you know never will never be taken seriously as a as a writer I don't know. <laughs> but isn't it interesting how like i mean we're, we're going to move on at some point in this podcast aren't we to, yes. to something else but it's interesting how I don't know, like hearing you say these things, like saying like, oh, you know, you listen to a podcast where they use very good English and long words, you know, makes you feel a little bit inferior type thing. And same goes for when you read other people's, I don't know, like articles or books and how they write straight away. It's you're like, I can't, I don't sound like that. I don't, I don't write like that. So straight away you're like, I will never be. A good writer, yeah, or, yeah, I'll never reach that. There's like yeah. a standard, and I will never reach. But it. it's interesting how, like, that's where your brain goes to. Yeah. Whereas mine doesn't. 
do you know what I mean? Like if I hear people that can, you know, have got better pronunciation than me, which isn't hard, um, or write better than me, or use words that I have no idea what the hell they mean, let alone how to put them into a sentence that makes any sense. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't reflect negatively on myself. No. In that situation. Well, I suppose it's back. It comes back to confidence. And it's not it's not an area, I suppose, of your skill set that you have a you've you've always been very open about this. You have no interest in furthering it. And you've always kind of said, like, I don't see the point. And you're completely right because you're like, I don't want to do anything. Even if I did spend time learning these words, mm. the, the, the most amazing thing you could probably do is start to drop them in conversation randomly just to make me laugh. Like there'd be no other point to it because yeah. you've never you said like you would never use that in your social media. You wouldn't use it in yeah. any of your blogs that you write or anything. Or, and you do write um, articles and stuff. And you you've always said, I'm going to write like I speak. End of story. You have a huge following for that. People enjoy it. That's what they want to read. Yeah. So it's strange. But I think it's only the same as if someone doesn't exercise and they lack the confidence to start or are very self-conscious about yeah. their body. And they look online at me and you doing some kettlebell swings and they're like, well, I'll never be there. I'll never be that fit. So what's the point in even starting? Do you know? And so yeah. I think it is just our human brain just does this comparison, which is why we've talked about social media being so destructive in some ways that we have to think about like editing the, the feed and I do and you do when we actually put content out there try to almost um, you know I mean we are very empathetic and we put ourselves in someone's shoes and say this is where we were this is how we got here this is what we did like this is our process we were where you were we, mm. we were all beginners at one point in time the hard bit is no one ever reads posts anymore they just look at the pictures but yeah. you know like a, we do try to put that content out there but I just think everyone has their vulnerability and their area that they lack confidence and I would say mine's kind of across the boards and part of that is because I'm always going on courses and reading and kind of looking at people who are you know absolutely immersed in in academia and and I haven't mm. been if I'm like I left I stopped a master's in the middle of a master's. I finished it, but I didn't do my research project to basically go off and become a trainer and my mum and dad were like what are you doing and I said, I've never been happier. Like, honest to God, I absolutely love what I'm doing right now. I'm yeah. outside of my main job, getting up early, training clients, teaching classes, going after the work. I was working all through the weekend and I for years I loved it. And then don't get me wrong, I got knackered. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I was like, and it's really interesting because I could still finish the research project if I wanted to. But part of me is like, it offers no relevance to, it won't help anybody necessarily. It'd be amazing for me to do, but a slightly indulgent thing for me to do to go off and, and, you know, sit and read all the research literature and I'd probably do it on chocolate, if I'm honest, <laughs> um, and write this essay that will never really have an impact, whereas the work that we do now, we can have quite a significant impact. Whether so. I'm working with a client, whether I'm teaching students, whether I'm doing a live with you or a workout with you, like you are actually reaching a bigger audience and doing the practical application. And I think, yeah. but there's a part of me, because I did love Oh, I've always loved the kind of academic element of it. I loved going to university, you know, I loved that day off from work where I'd go to university for the, and be yeah, a student yeah. and, and just learn. And, and it's. I, but you've always loved learning, haven't you? Like you're almost like, almost addicted to learning a little bit. Like to, you're, yeah, you're always wanting to do like an, another course or, or something yeah. like that. And that's amazing. Like, but we were actually having a chat about this just this morning, weren't we, in terms of, you know, everyone's from these, you know, these different warps of life and everyone has different talents and, and things that come a little bit easier to them, you know, because they've almost got this natural ability. Yeah, definitely. And we often like say that, 
you know, it's like some people are just like very good at sport. Like genetically, they're built to be very good good at a certain sport. Yeah. You know, and and it kind of almost seems like they don't even need to try that hard. They've just kind of got the knack for it. And yeah. we all know like people like that, don't yeah, we? Yeah. And I think on the other hand, we also know people like if you go back to school, people that are very, very clever, you know, and, and I put you in this bracket where you can almost absorb information like a sponge and it's just there. And then because I hear you talk about stuff sometimes and I'm like, how? Yeah, but <laughs> how have but, you kept that in then, your brain? <laughs> yeah, but you know, it, the really sad thing is, and you'll say to me, do you remember when we had that weekend away and we met these people and that dog? And I'll be like, I have no recollection of that whatsoever. It's a really sad thing. Yeah. But then I can remember, you know, kind of the optimal reference range for ferritin for a man and woman. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's really, but it's a sad thing. Yeah. So I'm like, gosh, I remember things now because there's a practical reason to remember it. But I struggle with memories because I, I pretty much overload myself yeah. too much, really, and don't probably have enough breaks in my life, as in enough it's, time It's off. quite funny you say that, actually, because my memory in terms of, like, I'm, I'm incredibly observe incredibly observant like i notice very minor details in things to where people are a bit like how the hell did you how did you remember that yeah you know, how did you notice that like, no one noticed which always puts me in the good books because i always notice when women have had their hair done yeah you do and it's amazing when i go oh you've changed your hair it looks really good you can almost see the delight on their yeah, face because yeah. <laughs> they're probably thinking no one else has noticed <laughs> yeah. you know especially blokes uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. um but but, but when it comes to studying, for me to retain information, it's really hard, yeah, yeah. really hard. And I think I've spoken about this before, like whenever, you know, back at school, whenever there's been exams on and whatever, oh my God, like I, I, it almost seemed like it didn't matter how much I revised, I couldn't keep the information yeah, there. Yeah. And hence the reason why, you know, I didn't do very well on my GCSEs, bar PE. <laughs> no surprises <laughs> there. Um, but it, what's interesting about you is, like I said, we'll go on a course together and like everyone on the course, as in uh, like a training course, everyone on the course instantly kind of gets their back up about you. Sometimes even me when we first started out, because you will master a movement like that. And everyone will be like, how? Because what's interesting, everyone judges you when you first rock up and says, well, there's a kind of meathead because look at all that muscle. Like, there's no, bodybuilder. Yeah, there's no way he'll be able to move. You won't have any cardio fitness or anything. Like, there's that judgment's made. And I kind of, after, over time, started to smile about this because I'd be like, just wait till you see him go. Like, we're all going to be like Aww. trying to keep up with him. Thanks, but, <laughs> but why, remember, why can't that happen with a barbell snatch? That's what I want to know. <laughs> That's my one nemesis. Is it, is it? Yeah, but to be fair, everything else, like kettlebell snatches and all all that kind of stuff. I remember hours and hours going, where's it supposed to be going? What wrapping around the wrist? Why have I got, I'd be like black and blue with bruises yeah. trying to master the kind of, and get the efficiency of the movement better. And you'd be like, first go, whoop, what there up? you go. You mean like this? Whoop. And they could even see people leading courses getting intimida intimidated by you. I'll never forget when we were in Scotland doing kettlebells and it was a stacked press where you have two kettlebells in one hand. Yeah. And most of us were like, how do we hold two kettlebells in one hand? Um, you know, the hardest bit was the grip. And you basically just picked them up and before anything were pressing the highest amount and the whole course was all gathered around you going, is Matt going to be able to do that? And you managed yeah, that, to press that. That was really like, I didn't, because I'm not really one that likes an audience You're not in a that showboater, respect. no. But randomly, because I'd like, I'd, you know, I'd seen, um, it was a Mike Marler course, wasn't it? who uh, does a lot of kettlebell stuff and we've, we've followed him for quite some time now. And he did it, didn't he? Like the stack kettlebell press. And I was like, oh, and everyone was kind of like giving it a bash. And I kind of like cleaned them up. 
And the next thing you know, it was like, okay, everyone's watching me now. <laughs> yeah, adrenaline. But then, but then you're a bit like, I can't put them down. Yeah, yeah. Like, because, you know, I've got to like do this. So in a way, it kind of fueled it. But at the same time, I was a bit like, this isn't why I was doing it. Yeah. I no, wasn't no, doing no. it for an audience. I just wanted to try it out because that's what we were doing. We must but, have just different areas. You just have different areas of your brain, I think. You know, that that, that is your skill set. Like, it really, in terms of like you can learn and master something really fast. Yeah. But then, like I said, when you've kind of been studying and, and I helped you a couple of years ago when you were doing some exams, I remember we just had completely different ways of like internalizing information, yeah. consolidating information. Do you remember I was buying you like high strength fish oils and phosphatidylserine yeah. and brain fuel. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I was like saying, try fasting if you fast sometimes, but, you know, like fasted learning, then but, go for a run and you consolidate it. No, no, and it was all very helpful. Like you helped me massively at that time, you know, and and I think like, you know, even now whilst I'm thinking about it, like we, we, we speak about this as well in terms of like when you're at school, there, there's not enough. I mean, maybe it is different now. I don't know. You know, it's been a while since I was at school, but, you know, the, the curriculum was very set and yeah, it was yeah. almost like this is what you're doing. There was very little in the way of, and I know this isn't an easy thing to do because it requires a lot of resources, you know, probably money being one of them, but having the flexibility to go, I can really see where this pupil's strengths lie. I can really see where this pupil's struggling. What can we do to help them the best we can with what they're struggling with, but also help them thrive in an area where they're clearly very good? You know, and, and and I think like for some people... This, I was going to say, this works both ways though, because when I was at school, I would say, firstly, I had to work really... You were saying, oh, you know, I'm a sponge, but I wasn't. I, I, I kind of was pushed quite a lot, like by my parents, definitely. My mum was a bit like, don't make the mistake I made. You're going to do really well at school. You know, so it's kind of pushed yeah, me. Yeah. My dad had a really strong work ethic and they really helped me. And, and I managed to, and I was definitely... I changed in my teens. I remember... Th- like something happened maybe a bit more hormones or like something but I managed to my grades came up and I started to get in higher sets but I had massive imposter syndrome about that as well so massive lack of confidence even then but always felt like I had to work harder than everybody else Mm. and put the hours in and study but then would get the grades obviously that kind of drives you but when it came to something physical like PE I was just a waste of space. Like, I really was. I found I was, that really hard to believe. I was clumsy. I had flat feet. I had, like, loads of growth. When I started to grow, I got really bad, like, shin splints and calf pain and all sorts of stuff. And I was tiny, so I was, like, one of the smallest in my year. So my PE teachers were always laughing when I tried to do, like, high jump or something because I just, like, ran into the bar and smacked my forehead, like, mm. do you know what I mean? Or long jump, it was a bit, like, literally could do about half a metre. And I would put my 100% effort into it. But all I ever remember getting was like laughed at or, and cause I was clumsy, I tripped over so many times in races and stuff really? and no one ever. So I just gave up and thought I have no physical skill whatsoever, no potential. And it was the same for dance and drama. Like, because I wasn't like the confident students who'd go into drama class and be like, la la la, you know, a great confident public speaker. I was never really nurtured in that way. And I'm not saying you should be nurtured, but like, it's like you're saying, why not identify when someone wants to do something yeah. but isn't very good at it and really help them and give them a bit of extra... I don't know. I don't know how you'd even... 
you know, kind of how could it, how could this play out in schools? But the same for dance. Like in my head, I was a contemporary dancer and I spent hours in my bedroom. I was like Billy Elliot on my <laughs> own with the music. And then I did GCSE dance and oh my God, it was awful. Like I was just really? awful at it. And I only got a B because I was able to study. You did a written exam and I studied really fripping hard for that. But the practical, I think I got a C or a D. <laughs> like it was just embarrassing. I locked it out in my mind what I must have been doing. I had to design a dance, a contemporary dance, wow. and do it. Like, you have to like pretend you was a flower. No, like, yeah, no, no, not like that, <laughs> no, that kind of stuff. Like it was, um, you know, like musicals where they're kind of doing like barrel jumping and all that kind of stuff. Like that yeah, was yeah. the sort of thing that we did. And I remember we go watching it, like we go and watch it on school trips and I, I was fascinated by it, but I just couldn't do it. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. But none of that was, and nothing, nothing creative, I would say, was ever really... And I do have a really creative brain, but I look back now and I'm like, that was yeah. never really brought out in me because I couldn't do the things that were creative, like dance and drama very well. So you just, you know, you're getting pigeonholed yeah. and you can, you know, you're not picked for teams. You're not asked to do performances. You're not asked to be in the play. Or if you are, it's like you are a plant pot in the corner. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's just keep you uh, discreetly. Yeah, basically. <laughs> You've made it. You've got the part. <laughs> You're not going to talk, though. <laughs> not with those teeth and that big, those big <laughs> braces. You know, I had braces and head brace and oh, everything. Like, I bet you was cute. I was not. But yeah. Anyway, but now I look back, I'm like, I love that I had, at least I tried. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's fair play, man. Like, gosh, I used to hate drama at school. Because drama at school wasn't, you know, well, it was kind of drama, but it was like drama slash like, performing arts or whatever so there was a lot of like do you do contemporary dance well you had to oh god i wish they'd film oh, that well funny enough like, <laughs> were, i joked about the flower but i remember once you had to do this thing where you were like a flower growing you were like a flower <laughs> blossoming and then it was all like well, please you know, see like, this on the next one <laughs> so we're gonna superset flower start growth off as, with some... start off as the bulb yeah. <laughs> then you'd like come through the soil <laughs> get bigger and they're just swayed in the wind and all of that and you're just like you feel like a twit but this could be Matt's mobility hell no (laughs) hell no Um, on this session today we're going to start as a bulb you are a flower (laughs) be fair a a bulb is like child's pose (laughs) yeah I mean you could definitely make something with it that's for sure but but you know at the time you're a bit like I don't want to be doing this I have zero passion for this I have absolutely (laughs) no intention of having a career in this (laughs) why am I here do you see what I mean yeah but you have to do it because it's part of the curriculum, which I get to a degree. You know, there is that life lesson of sometimes you've got to do things you don't want to do. But beyond that, you're just a bit like, surely I could be doing something that I enjoy a bit more. I've got potential to be a bit better at yeah, yeah. and potentially <clears throat> have a career in. And the same thing, last thing on this, and then we will move on to what we're going to speak about, um, was languages. Like at school, you had to learn French, right? Yeah. But I wanted to learn Spanish. But... In order to learn Spanish, to go into the Spanish group, you had to essentially be in the top level of the French class, right? And then you could do Spanish. So I worked my ass off to to get better at French. Why was your what was your drive for Spanish? Why was that more appealing? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Maybe it was because so of chatting uh, up Spanish girls. Yeah. <laughs> Hola, linda. <laughs> Como estás? <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if it was the time I preferred, like, 
like, like I don't know, Spanish football, or so it could be I probably see. something random like that. Yeah, or my yeah. favorite footballers were like, were like Spanish for, or whatever. Play for Madrid or something like that. Yeah, probably something like sport related. <laughs> and um, anyway, like I worked my ass off right, and then when it was kind of like the mid-year exams that kind of decided if you went up or not, I got like top marks. I was over the moon, buzzing. When you I was apply like, yourself. The difference was though, I only applied myself to that one thing. <laughs> you know, when you've got yeah, other yeah. exams and it's like you've got to revise for English, maths. So yeah, yeah. Sort of, that's when it just gets a bit chaotic in my head. I'm like, there's just too much going on here. But because I zoned in on French, anyway, got top with level marks. I was like, brilliant. I'm finally going to be able to do Spanish. They then changed it. Oh, no. So yeah, they, they scrapped it and it was like, you. Um, you, you, if you're if you're in French now, you have to do French for the remainder. Oh God! I thought they were going to say you've now got to learn German as well as French, and then you can do no, Spanish. But, but Spanish the, is known to be the easiest language. Spanish. No, I really? Think, no, actually, and I always mix this up. I think French is the easiest for us to learn. But like you, I did French and Spanish, and always preferred Spanish. But a big part of that, I think. Was the teacher? Was the teacher? Yeah, maybe and then interestingly, yeah. got higher in Spanish, uh, higher in French than I did in Spanish. But the but, teacher made a huge difference. Oh yeah, it's like a lot of things, though, isn't yeah, it? Like yeah. and you, like you said earlier, kind of having that connection yeah. with someone. And also, but, I think it made it more. Um, we got a um, Venezuelan teacher who came in. So after having quite a dull Spanish teacher, new teacher came in, and she made it very, I would say, like sexy and fun, like yeah. the way she said words and stuff. And she did teach us how to like chat boys up. Was it girls? Isn't Venice- so she was like, if you want to chat someone up, do this. So we were all like, yeah, writing yeah, it all down. Quick, take notes. <laughs> yeah. But what I was going to say was, is that for me, it completely demotivated me because I was like I just worked my ass off and didn't get the reward that you well the option that you wanted yeah, yeah, and, yeah and you've just taken that away from me so after that it was almost like the incentive wasn't there yeah and to the point where the teacher said to me like oh, Matt you, you were doing so well and now like what's happened and I can't remember if I did at the time say well what was the point like I, that was my yeah, reason yeah. for doing you're it like a really you're a logical learner and I think part of that has always been even when you were studying like nutrition and stuff last year you were like but I'm not gonna use a lot of this stuff like Mm. and you would have hated a lot of the kind of qualifications I've done because I've come away from them gone don't even use half that stuff it Mm. was interesting it was nice to go on that journey but I'm definitely not going to use half that stuff so I think you're quite practical and like is it is this a am I enjoying it and b is this is this leading me anywhere yeah well I you know do I see myself using this and I suppose this this will this will be a nice segue actually that's another word we we said that we always like to use I was just hearing podcasts like let's let's segue segue over to boom so this is a nice segue into what we wanted to speak about which was kind of the people that we've learned from over the years you know and that's not necessarily in our industry like could be anybody really that's kind of like taught us a life lesson but what is interesting and and this was something we were talking about the other day is that there's a lot of people who served a kind of like a real purpose to us at a certain stage in in our journey in our journey (laughs) who now we've maybe gone off a little bit to a degree or you know not necessarily that we don't like them or we don't rate them anymore but maybe that you know like they've evolved in a certain way and we've evolved in a certain way yeah, to yeah. where we're just you know not on the kind of same 
page as such anymore. It's like I say, it's not that we dislike them. No, um, but- I think I think there are elements to which I the longer I've been in so in this industry, so kind of like health, fitness, nutrition, the more I'm able to see through some things and see motives much more clearer. Mm-hmm. When I started out, because I was so passionate about it, because it had changed my life, and I think that's kind of been a huge influence on our journey when we've done something and it's had a positive effect on us we've just naturally wanted to share it if the first time we started teaching classes together was because I'd had personal training and it had transformed my fitness my confidence my skill set took me from that wonky contemporary dancer to like someone who could actually could actually move properly I mean I could do a deep squat and things like that and um, and I really wanted to help other people do that, but knew they couldn't afford it. And that's why we said, let's put it in group training then. And if there's two of us teaching, one can look at technique, mm. the other can, and plus between the two of us, we'll come up with such a variety of stuff. Yeah. And it should always be different and things like that. That was kind of our first project that we did together. And it all came from me feeling that benefit. And it was the same thing with nutrition. It was the same thing, you know, kind of I'd, I'd help my mum with cancer and then learn so much stuff that I wanted to help others. And I would go off on a lot of courses and I would assume that everybody else, this was their reason for being. This was their key, you know, kind of key driving force behind them was that they truly wanted to help people. And what you realise after time is that there's a lot of people out there who want to just, and there's nothing wrong with this necessarily, but really just want to make a lot of money. And sometimes that's at the expense of a client's health or a person's health because they invest money, don't get any benefit from it, are worse off and the money can be a lot. And we've seen this kind of escalate, haven't we, over the years in our industry where everything's getting more and more expensive, more and more complicated. And that somehow for our brain seems more and more appealing. Mm. People want answers, they want magic bullets, they want pills, you know, and so we've fought the corner for the basics and it's probably the most unsexy message yeah. ever. But I definitely now look around and I can see you've always been slightly sceptical. And we would go to courses where you'd be like, I'm not having this. You know, and you would question the person on the course, whereas mm. I'd be like, no, no, no. <laughs> they could never be, you know, anything other than true to themselves. And, you know, yeah. I really believe this. But I'm, I'm a very sceptical person anyway. Like yeah. I always I always have been. And I don't I don't think that's a bad thing because I'm, I'm really wrong, to be fair. Um if at all. <laughs> um, You're very, I think you were very good. And that might be because you left school earlier than me and went straight into business that you were able to kind of see motives, I think, much quicker than I was. So I would be going on these courses and I would believe everything I was being sold and told. And then I would believe that everybody needed these supplements or everybody mm. needed to change their diet this way. And and then you would implement it. And over time, I think one of my biggest skills now as a practitioner is I've done a lot of stuff in 10 years yeah. and I've seen what works, what doesn't. And now I've got like you, and I actually say this when I teach, question everything. Yeah. Be the critical thinker and kind of wait to see some results, some proper results from either the research or you know, your own experimentation, you know, or you've, you know, and and don't kind of wedge yourself to it almost. um, I heard um, Tommy say this, actually. Dr. Tommy Wood. Dr. Tommy Wood. um, Sorry, did I say Tommy? Tommy, He he said (laughs) the the way that you should almost approach like a bit of research if you ever wanted to was um, if someone's told you, for example, a fish oil is amazing, look to disprove that fact. So look for enough evidence that they don't have any effect at all. And then you are being a proper scientist you well, know, so, like yeah yourself, it's like you know, you know number one rule is like question everything yeah like you know like don't be so quick to 
be like, oh, so-and-so said this, great. Yeah. It must yeah, be, yeah. it must be true type but we thing. do the absolute opposite, don't we? And I, I, before lockdown was doing work in offices where half the office would be on collagen because one person took it and was like, it's amazing. And yeah. everyone takes it. Oh, and yeah. it does have benefits, don't get me wrong. Yeah, for sure. But I wonder if anyone ever sat there and went, am I actually getting results from this? Yeah, let me or, look into this yeah, a bit more. Yeah, or... I hope they did. And, and we're like, I'm not paying the money now because I'm not. Whereas some will have felt that benefit. But interestingly, going back to what you said about the money thing, and we, we've we kind of like, you know, we've done many online kind of like training nutrition plans over the years. But ironically, our most expensive one sold the best. Yeah. And because I think people are definitely kind of under the impression that if something's more expensive, it must be better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you know, to a degree, you know, it is true. Like I was just saying to Keris this morning about a pair of diesel jeans I bought many years ago that cost me about 120, 130 quid, which is a lot of money for a pair of jeans, right? But they lasted me about 15 years. Whereas when, cool, yeah. when I buy like H&M jobs, yeah. you know, 35 quid, I get through them in like a matter of, like I don't even see a year in them yeah, because yeah. you know they we need to be thinking about longevity of clothing yeah. as well as longevity of our health yeah but what I mean I was just giving no, an example right. there for the, where for the environment we should be thinking yeah, about that but you know I paid more money and I got a better product yeah, but yeah. it's not always the case no. and and I think people are very very quick to make that association and it's hard it is hard because we're very much like we want to help as many people as possible, as cheesy as that sounds. And a big part of that is trying to be affordable. Yeah. And and yeah, that's yeah. why a big reason why we created Fitter365, which is our which is our membership, um our membership platform, which is fifteen quid a month. And not a lot of money, but at the same time we put a lot of effort into it with the view that we understand that one-to-one personal training is a luxury. It's yeah. expensive. One-to-one nutrition consultation with you isn't cheap, but very beneficial. You know, it, not everyone can afford it. Can, can afford it. And, and it's, be, it's as simple as that. And to be fair, the content that we put in there, we've always tried to do our classes were like personal training for the for a group. Yeah. And our membership site is personal training, nutritional therapy, yoga, just, you know, lifestyle mm. health but in a group environment and the group environment also adds accountability yeah for sure collective kind of energy i think as well but it's interesting that and some people do genuinely their health is more complex and they do need that one-to-one but it is something that i see i know lots of other practitioners that i look at and they will charge you know like two thousand pounds when you're coming in the door because they insist that you have to have these really expensive tests and i just think i don't need to test a lot and I can actually get a lot of tests from a GP if I want to mm. with you know if I think a client needs it and I identify the symptoms that that would warrant that then I will write to a GP and get them but my goal has always been to try to help someone to spend the least amount of money to get mm. the best results but also sustainable results so they don't rely on me going forward yeah. and if anything I, I would say in the beginning I was definitely guilty of overwhelming people because I was like here's everything you need to know for the rest yeah. of your life take it um, huh. it's a 10 page document <laughs> please don't call me again next (laughs) I thought I could work like that and I definitely this is when we were in London do you remember and some of the members were like I'm really overwhelmed but I have brought a ceramic pan (laughs) yeah I haven't done anything else but I got that pack you said like probably not to have aluminium pans do you know what I mean and I was like oh wow this is going wrong it's alright though step change yeah yeah. (laughs) I've changed to a yeah 
I don't know, SLS free shampoo or something. Yeah, I was like, okay, right, I've definitely got but, this. But, but, but that's a big part. What's SLS mean? Sodium lauryl sulfate. It's oh, like right, right, right. stuff in, in shampoo that actually makes shampoo work. Yeah. <laughs> like, but again, though, as far as, as much as, you know, in terms of like transforming your health, there's probably bigger changes that could be made yeah, over yeah, yeah. stressing about what shampoo you're using, right? But this is where we have to be, diff, diff, uh, uh, you know, again, this is where over time, you know, my big focus has been. And in, in terms of some things that I've learned, so to share one of the biggest lessons I think I got from the way that I practice now. So this isn't a person per se. I've had some amazing lecturers, but I think what I've always done when I've had a lecturer and seen how they practice is just crowdsource a little bit of information and think, well, I like how they do that, but I don't think I would do what they're doing in this Mm. instance, be it how they charge, how many supplements they use, their style with testing and things like that. So I've kind of developed my own style that staggers between what a GP might do, a functional medicine practitioner. Now, functional medicine is designed for kind of actual conventional medicine Mm. practitioners like doctors who want to transition over into a bit more lifestyle stuff and use supplements you know like vitamin d and magnesium and actually look at diet a lot more and spend time with the client so you're seeing some gps are now transitioning over and doing qualifications in this and the british society of lifestyle medicine is trying to encourage it and it's good but i still see an over-reliance with them on a bit of kind of protocol so rather than stepping back and thinking is this really needed? Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, the only reason we have the, the freedom to do this is because we, we're not confined to, I'm not seeing 10 people a day, you know, like a, probably more, you know, in a, in a hospital or a, a yeah, surgery yeah, yeah. environment. So yeah, I have the luxury to do that sure. and I'm charging money for it. So it's not that I'm discrediting what they're doing. I just have more, uh, yeah. more resources available, time being the biggest one. Um, so I didn't want to practice like I looked at some of the protocols and thought these are kind of designed for people that are just going to turn over clients or patients very very quickly and are Mm -hmm. just going to do a standard this is what you do and I've seen some of their documents for thyroid health and you know and and I'm like this is supposed to apply to about 20 different people Um, but then you look at something like naturopathic nutrition and one thing I really love about the kind of principles of naturopathy was, um, you know, your, your main goal is you're doing no harm, you're treating the individual, you're looking at the root causes, yeah. you're giving the body the right environment to let it heal itself. But for some cases that I work with, the right environment, and that's internal and external, is actually to look at the emotional side of things more mm-hmm, because like yeah. we've kind of said, they're in the wrong relationship, they're in the yeah. wrong job, and, and taking on too a, much responsibility. A lot of those are what contribute to your the decision making process right Uh, absolutely and no adaptogen is going to fix that situation no supplement no pill you know no no stone loss necessarily okay the stone loss might give you the confidence to finally go i'm going to walk out that job or i'm going to sack off that partner no no what stone as in like losing weight oh right right okay but more than anything you're absolutely right in that probably the the kind of lifestyle change come first and then the self-improvement can often come as a result of that because you don't crave the alcohol the chocolate the things to to drown out the difficult emotions so here's a question so if someone says to you what do you do (laughs) what's your response what, what are you? I generally. What are you really? God. <laughs> <laughs> At this point in time, I'll probably reply back. Well, that's a good question, yeah. really. That's what I'm what? actually struggling with. I'm 40 what, what, years old. What aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> Should be the question. I only answer tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely knackered. That's what I am. How about you? <laughs> no, but what? What's your? You know, because as in, what's your job title from a nutrition perspective? 
you would call me a nutritional therapist. Oh, nutritional That's therapist, what my qualification yeah. is. And there's huge debate no, about nutritionist all... versus nutritional therapist versus dietitian. So hear me, hear me. Yeah, yeah that's where I'm going with this. Yeah. Okay. So what's the difference? No, no, no. All right. I don't really care what the difference is because it's just a label at the end of the day. No, it's not. We no, have no, 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 but we have different remits. I understand. I understand. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> what I'm saying is, yeah. to most people oh, that are looking for health, someone who help, knows, knows sorry, about food, it's, it's it's kind of it's it's not so relevant as such. Yeah. Just see what I mean. But what I was getting at is, and this is a big part of what I would like to discuss today, because we're talking about people who, you know, or courses that we've done that have helped us over the years in some shape or form. But something that we're seeing a lot of is almost this bad mouthing of certain professions professions (laughs) within the industry, which really just does not sit well with us at all. Hence the reason why you will never ever see us or hear us doing it. There are many people in our industry that we don't agree with. You know, we can't say we don't like them because we've never met them. We don't know them, but we can say, don't agree with the content that they're putting out there. But guess what? We don't follow those people because they don't contribute to us in the way that that we would like someone who we follow to contribute to us, if you see what I'm saying. And on that note, the truly best thing you can do is silence them, unfollow them, yeah, delete them. And, because and if you hear that that dialogue on your feed, even if you're kind of like, it, it, it's riling you, and you don't, yeah. you know, especially if you, I suppose my my issue sometimes is that I just feel they're misleading people, and that will wind me up really, really badly. Yeah. So it's not that I don't like the person like you said, but I'm like, you're misleading people yeah, and I don't of course. like that. Of yeah. Co- yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, I suppose to a, to a degree you could say, oh, maybe like you have a responsibility to to highlight that to people. And maybe you could do that in a in a more private... Dip- diplomatic way. In a diplomatic way, yeah, yeah. maybe in more of a pri- private capacity yeah, rather yeah. than just kind of, you know, doing this whole like bad mouthing on social media and this, that and the other. Because I just think it's quite unprofessional and, and I think it's a little bit unnecessary but I don't like to see it in other industries you know when they're kind of fighting because and essentially what I really don't like it I don't like it when entire an entire profession is discredited online and you actually do see that a lot with nutritional therapy and I just want to kind of that's why I was saying nutritional therapy because there is just such a huge range of different practitioners and I've had positive experiences with them and I've had negative so when I was training and I would see Mm. different practitioners um, I've seen other good practitioners yeah um, but it's the same I would say for GPs Mm. um, hospital staff in my experience recently in a hospital for one one person spoke to me like they just I was something they stood in you know and and another one was like, I could have been related to them, the amount of yeah, care. Amazing, and, yeah. and, 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 and But again, it, it, it goes back to the person, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Someone else said, you know, there's, there's, in every profession, there's good and there's people who 100%. are there because it's kind of how they earn money. And this goes across the board for, you know, kind of when you're... If, so if you're out there and you're kind of looking for support, you know, just follow your gut with it. And I think don't commit to things, be it a personal trainer, be it a nutritionist, nutritional therapist, whichever route you go down. Don't commit until you've kind of had a bit of time to, to to weigh up how they work, see if it's right for you, look at the investment you're going to have to make. And ultimately, you just get this gut feeling. Mm. I'll never forget when I went for, do you remember when I went for a, a counselling session and I wanted to try yeah. something called um, body relational psychotherapy where they combine 
soft tissue release with talking. Yeah. So you actually almost get a little bit of like fascia release, which is really important. I know I kind of clench my stomach and my jaw when I'm really stressed about stuff. So the idea is they do a little bit of like trigger point therapy, soft tissue, but they'd be, you know, uh, combined with talking. And I really wanted to see how this worked. I've never had it, yeah. never, never had it before. And straight away, almost within 10 minutes of the, the conversation, I knew the person wasn't right for me. Right. She was winding me up. She was asking me questions that I was... Where, where are you going with that thumb? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I think what was also... And what was also interesting about that was when I said I didn't want to continue, she was quite persistent that I needed to and mm. that uh, if I didn't book in quick, everything would be full. And I instantly felt like... Kind of got you back up a bit. Yeah, because like... I thought I, I wouldn't pressure somebody to work with me if somebody contacts me and wants help and I'm like, this needs to be done via a consultation because I can't work on back and forth on email or questions on Facebook. I'm very yeah. honest about that. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I like to spend an hour with someone. I want to go through your medical history. I need to know about your diet. I need to know about your lifestyle. Um, I, you know, and that's how I like to work. But if, if I've openly said, you know, I don't wish to continue with something, having experimented with it and they're pushy, that's, that's that puts me off so much, you know. Yeah. Like it's, so I think it, what I'm really trying to say is I think you just kind of know if you have that connection with somebody, yeah, yeah. definitely. And it, I think for something like like therapy, like you definitely need to have a connection. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're They with, say it doesn't work if you don't. Yeah, well, no, of course it's if you not. Don't, if you both don't agree on the problem and the solution. Um, but actually, I think we spoke, spoke about this before. If you're kind of a bit of a people pleaser therapy might not work for you either because you're constantly trying to say things say the right thing yeah but what you so think? you're never as truly honest yeah um as you probably should do and i think i'm kind of coming to that conclusion and i get very defensive but, but it's like friends as well isn't it in terms of like for example like you've got certain friends that you feel much more comfortable talking to yeah. about particular problems or sharing certain bits of information compared to other friends it's not that you like them more or that they're a better friend as such they're just better at helping you in that aspect yeah, of yeah. your of your yeah. life does that make sense like yeah what's really interesting i have one friend who's so good at it that i said to her why are you not a, a therapist of some sort mm. like you're so good at this stuff and she said i actually get more out of it it's like therapy for me to talk yeah. to you and if i made it a formal professional role i don't think i would it would yeah. become like a it would, it would take on a different role in my life where yeah, it's right yeah. now. But what she's really good at, and this is what I think sometimes I've struggled at with therapy, is I was about to say, I get quite defensive. If if I have a problem with somebody that I love, but we've come to some form of conflict and I explain that, mm. and the therapist says something negative about the person I love, I go on the defensive. Yeah, I think that's quite a natural reaction. Very natural. Though. Do you remember when you say this about your mum could moan about your stepdad all the time, saying, oh, he's lazy, he hasn't cooked dinner, this, that and the other. But if we went, oh, he is, and he should go, well, in his defence, he's yeah. been busy he's today. He's defence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, oh, really? So, so you can say <laughs> I'll stuff. i remember that next time. Yeah, but we're not allowed to say stuff. You see this all the time. Yeah. Like people switch. And I definitely was doing that. So I was a bit like, hmm. But with my friend, she's really good at actually making me see the situation from that person's point yeah, of view yeah. and then also giving me the kind of tools to do something about it yeah. and I felt I didn't get that from a lot of the kind of counselling because counselling is very much they stand back and let you talk and almost suss it out for yourself yeah. um, anyway that's been one, one experience but the kind of point I'm making here is and it's same thing for your kind of personal trainer it's really important I think to start looking at first of all their their kind of I think I think qualifications matter of course they do. but I also think experience 
it's the two together. So yeah. if you want someone with that formal training and insurance and professional kind of, um, you know, they've, they've been on a journey, but yeah. also if they've been going for 10, 20, 30 years in this industry, they are a different practitioner. And that's not to discredit anyone who kind of has only been in the industry for a year no, or no, two, because I know some brilliant ones as well, but you've just had that chance to see what works, what doesn't. You've come up with a kind of a formula, I suppose, in some ways that you'll apply to a lot of people. And then from there, you're able to personalize. And you do the same with a personal training client, as I often do with a, a you know, kind of nutrition um, and lifestyle client. But I just also want to go back to just talking about the differences between a dietitian. Well, j- just before you do go on that, like, because I think what you just, the point you just made was, was a brilliant one, because it's like, in, in our industry, you do, and we've done this, you kind of get caught up in the whole, I need to be more qualified all the time. Yeah. You know, so you're always like, I've got to do this course, I've got to do that course, I've got to have this certification, that certification. And you're like, that's great, because, you know, that, that that passion for learning and whatnot. But going back to what I said earlier about the nutritionist, dietitian, uh, nutritional therapist, is like, the reality is no one really cares as long as like they would like to know you're qualified yeah, yeah. and you have a but, but more importantly it's like you say you need to click with that person yeah, yeah like what use is a personal trainer that's got 20 certifications to their name yeah but you just don't gel yeah yeah you know you're just not for whatever reason it, it you know it could be absolutely anything it could just be a personality clash it could be anything and also it depends on your needs because a personal trainer could change your life way more than a nutritionist in some ways because for start for starters a personal trainer you see on a regular basis and they're going to have a degree of nutrition input and they are usually very good at motivating individuals you know so so actually and 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 also (laughs) a counselor therapist they could almost not that i'm saying a trainer does that but it could be more powerful than that, that other intervention. Yeah. Because essentially you get somebody who rocks up, is going to get you physically fit and active, building your confidence and self-esteem, seeing progress, which, you know, building your skill set, all these things, they, they help your physiology. They, they help you grow new brain cells. They do so much for the body. It's never really like in my kind of, in my opinion, the, the health benefit of exercise is never outlined enough in a sexy way it's just all yeah. about body composition and you yeah, never yeah. know about longevity and bone density and all that kind of stuff this exercise is so powerful immune system health but they're doing all of that plus probably checking in with your nutrition plus giving you that element of you know accountability you know i'm going to see you next week and things like that so it's, it always depends on an individual's needs which one's gonna work best for them um i did want to just kind of say like a dietitian is someone who's trained more in kind of public health guidelines so they are often kind of tied into what many of us don't agree with now which is the kind of basically the, the food pyramid that's that's recommended uh, you know and dietitians tend to rely quite heavily i would say on functional foods and and fun- like kind of um uh, products which are deemed or or only recommended you know essentially devised by how do i put this you know, like medical foods that we had Kate how'd you go on who talked about the fact that her mum was given this medical food which is approved for NHS use but it was yeah. full of absolute crap and um, you could have actually almost done a whole foods equivalent but you know big pharma big food kind of control some of the recommendations that a dietitian is allowed to make money as well I mean it would have been a lot more expensive wouldn't it to of, do it of that course. way yeah. and, and I, they would argue safer because obviously Kate talked about the kind of food hygiene 
element yeah, of, of course, it. yeah. But it's the same for their food recommendations. So, for example, somebody with um, inflammatory bowel conditions, we mentioned this on the last podcast, I said, will we be recommended a white diet and there'll be this list of white bread and all this kind of stuff, which we know doesn't help their microbiome and, and could, you know, actually... You know, yes, it might alleviate symptoms, but you're not fixing the cause. And whereas I'll do a, a low fiber diet that looks nothing like that because I'll be doing it from nutritious foods, ideally. So they're very much constrained to kind of government guidelines. So it's 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 very different. You will have good dietitians. Do not get me wrong. And I hope oh, of some course. of them. It's a hard thing because I've considered training as a dietitian because it would give me an inroad to work with NHS. However, yeah. you've said you would just be like so frustrated with the things that you had to recommend for a client because yeah, it be, would all be processed yeah. refined food and you know uh, but, but it's like we've said you know it's like it, it, i think it's all about having that open mind isn't it because it's not to say that you wouldn't benefit from get, being qualified as a dietitian do you see what i mean like there's you could you could probably learn a hell of a lot in in that respect but i think it's like any qualification it's it is what you make of it do you see what I mean in terms of like how open-minded are you to... But you have no freedom if you're a dietitian. There are so many because you are under... Yeah, no, I understand strict, what you're saying. But, what, but I'm just trying to emphasize the fact that yeah, it's not yeah. to say that you can learn something from oh, it. Oh, no, no. I would, but, I, what would be interesting is I would probably end up offering someone advice in front of maybe whatever <laughs> environment I was in, if I was in front of a surgeon or a specialist. And then as soon as they left the room, I went, What's right, happening? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's what you really need to Scrap know. that. <laughs> <laughs> Ignore everything they just said. <laughs> While you're telling them, you're like winking at yeah, them. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what you're going to have. Have you had your ice cakes? <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> But what was quite funny is I remember a couple of years ago and I was on a course uh, on my own and I was chatting to someone who was like on the on the same table and they were like, oh, well, what does your what does your girlfriend do? And I said, oh, she's a nutritional therapist. What do you think their first response was? Oh, I remember what they they said. What? Is she vegan? Yeah. yeah. Is she so, vegan? Oh, so she's vegan then? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like instant response. Yeah. And I was like, no, never has been. No. But instantly, like they made that was that the impression that yeah, they yeah, got yeah. of nutritional therapists. Like all nutritional therapists are are vegan, and and again, it's like I think people are quite now reminded in that respect, or maybe they've been influenced by what someone has said online who was maybe bashing nutritional therapists or or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's like no, like keep an open mind, you know. And 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 I think you always have, and I think that's what makes you, you know, quite unique in respect in in that. You know, with the, the well, I suppose in a way, like both of us over the years, like we, we've kind of done all these different courses and we've got these qualifications, but we've never been like, this is it. This is the only way to be, yeah, no, you know, no. like, and, and yeah, we, actually, we, we've had phases where, you know, we were, we were on the paleo train and, and things like that. But even when I was on the paleo train, I was still eating pizza and stuff like that. I wasn't, I wasn't perfect, but I was, I, was, I suppose I was a bit more pushy with clients in terms of. One, one of the hardest things, I think, when you mentioned in the podcast of your health history is you said, I will not label my diet. Mm. But it's really hard to teach that yeah. and talk about it without giving it a label yeah, because I'm kind tough. of like, oh, when you said paleo-ish, which was basically a kind of hybrid that we, me and mm. you had come up with, it's just a whole foods, Mediterranean style diet yeah. where we simply don't have a lot of flour-based foods, refined sugars. Well, the, we, but, but, you know, in this bit, like, it, it's, 
you know, and I'd just like to call it fair food, essentially, but yeah. it is, it's quite hard when you're trying to explain how you came up with that template. But what, what I was also going to say is when I did some courses on things like um, genomics, so like the genetics around diet and exercise, and I did find all that fascinating. And, but again, I didn't, one of the things that I've definitely stepped away from is I hardly ever do any form of testing at the moment, unless I think it's going to change what I recommend for a client or it's going to change how I want to work with them. And with the genetic side of things, one of the things we kept finding was it's simply confirming what we already know yeah. for a lot of things. Like, okay, you've got really good endurance streams, you've got really good, but by the way, you still have to train power. Like it was pretty, the, yeah. you know, I was a bit like, so you're essentially saying we still need to balance out power and endurance, like cardio and strength and all that kind of, in our training, which we've yeah. always done. And um, But when it came to the diet side of things, the nicest bit of studying the genomics was I began to understand, I think, you know, they say gene, genes are the loaded gun and environment pulls the trigger, but just the importance of personalization of nutrition. And the reason I understand the reasons now why somebody may do so well plant-based, someone may do so well on kind of almost carnivore, hmm. um, but for the big majority of people in the middle, it's going to be some kind of you know, just, just a hybrid of it, like a, just an omnivorous diet, essentially. Hmm. Because, and the reason I say that is, if you're, if you're completely plant-based, you have to supplement, which means you're not getting all of the nutrition from your food. Why you do that is a, is a whole other topic, you know. And yeah. please don't say you're doing it to save the planet because that's not the reason to go on that diet. And please don't say you're doing it because it's the healthiest diet, because it isn't. Um, and I, I, I can show you hundreds of cases of people who've run into some, some big health issues as a result of nutritional deficiencies from those types of diets and the hard thing is it does definitely start to cross over slightly into disordered eating orthorexia and eating disorders and i'm seeing this more with teenagers as well but any diet has the ability to do any diet and vegetarian diets the same low carb and i'd say i know keto people who say they're keto and actually behind the scenes and i know because after working in this industry for so long you pick up on the language the lifestyle just the slight clues in how they talk on social media that this is about body composition and mm. there's a fear of carbs and there's a fear of fatness and yeah you know, sorry a fear of weight gain and they've associated weight gain and carbs and they got results going low carb and now they're tied to keto and you can see it equally i know people on a keto diet for epilepsy i know people mm. on a keto diet for chronic fatigue and severe gut dysfunction and they are on it for a reason yeah. you know and they, they are thriving on it but so, same with like um you know, like those who are vegan. Like for me, like I, I, I have a lot of respect for vegans that are doing it because of they, uh, because of the welfare of animals. Of animals. Yeah. And for me, I'm like respect, man. Like because there's there's something bigger at play for them. You know, beyond like health and body composition, yeah. that's not what's top of their list. And and I just think like fair play. But I think like everything, like everyone, whatever you do needs to work for you. Yeah. You know, and, and that's that's the most important thing, you know, and that's when you've almost got to dismiss what other people say to a degree, because if you're happy doing what you're doing, then that's what you just need to keep on doing. It's as simple as that. There'll be people that disagree with you. There'll be people that will say it's wrong, you know, that you should be you should be having following this diet, that diet. It's everywhere. Yeah, we yeah. see it absolutely everywhere. Like our, our issue as a, as, as a human race is this pressure to conform all the time, absolutely. and it's 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 come about. You know, well, it's not. It's, it's accelerated through 
you know our kind of connections online now and I think it's a really sad thing because like you were saying we've kind of lost our intuition we've lost that connection with our gut where we're like what's my gut feeling on this um I think I was looking that I experimented with kind of vegetarianism veganism without even knowing as a teenager I mean, there was this driver for animal welfare for sure I wouldn't say I was as committed as some people I come across now where I just know it's an emo- it's such a deep rooted emotion that they that I have to just support them on that mm. pathway even if they're showing signs of it not working. Yeah. I'm not even sure which one is going to be more destructive to ask them to change their diet yeah, yeah. or or to kind of otherwise you go in with with nutritional supplements. But I was kind of one of them people who after like a couple of gin and tonics would, would have a, a sausage outside a nightclub like do you know what I mean as it, yeah, like, yeah. when I was really <laughs> that sounds a bit wrong didn't it <laughs> I was just thinking that was all <laughs> moving on I remember like you know you stagger out drunk and hungry and there's a hot dog van there and I would eat yeah, it and okay. then the next day I'd go oh god I can't believe I did that you know so that I, yeah and you, and the real you know the true kind of passionate plant-based people would or well, veganism really is a way of life isn't it so yeah, they would not do that and it wouldn't even kind of enter into their thoughts to do it so i think that that's kind of been a take one of the things i've, I've learned from the the kind of genetic stuff and i never run any tests i don't suggest that my clients run any tests interestingly even on, along the the lines of cancer and cancer risk and the reason being as soon as I look at someone's kind of lifestyle, um, nutrition, or just sit with them for an hour, I can usually think of about 20 things that are going to be hugely beneficial for them. Just on the note of something that influenced me quite profoundly is um, David Servan Schreiber's book, which I got when I was a personal trainer. My mum was diagnosed with cancer and it's just the anti-cancer diet but it's actually more promoting a way of life. Do you yeah, remember yeah, that book? Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. It, it was just talking about things like a nutritious diet, eating a rainbow, and meditation, sleep. And even he says towards the end, like he sadly lost his life because he ended up getting so successful, he worked himself into the ground. And his final book is Not the Last Goodbye, where he also talks about one of his regrets is almost just fighting cancer. So like his life became fighting cancer in the end. And I think that this is kind of something I see a lot of where people are so health obsessed now. Do you know what I mean? Like their life is health. They're not living. Yeah, yeah. They are just striving to be that you know striving with like levels of perfectionism and equally a, a number of people that I work with are not living because they are kind of shrouded in guilt about the fact that they can't be healthy because they're struggling with alcohol they're struggling with sugar they can't uh, they can't find the motivation to exercise they're still smoking and again my role in that situation is well let's find some of the causes of this stuff yeah but please like the first thing I ask a lot of my clients to do is stop giving yourself so much grief we'll get nowhere if you just focus on what you are you know aren't doing right and let's start to put some supportive stuff in place one by one and and, you know kind of so so more and more I think I start at the beginning saying I'm almost kind of straddling a bit of conventional medicine because I look at blood tests a bit of functional medicine because I use some of that I like the way they would say look at the client personalize find root causes and drivers of issues but also I love the kind of naturopathic style of like treat that person in front of you which is as a human being with with emotions and um you know kind of like mental health battles as well as physical and the physical is often a representation of of the kind of emotional sometimes yeah for sure and you know a lot of people we work are doing things like over exercising and and kind of pushing their body or their work-life balance is totally out so we're kind of like whoa 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 let's let's rein it back in and we've been there we've done it oh 100 experience the uh the physical um 
you know, kind of repercussions of it. And then also had to take a long, hard look at ourselves mentally and go, why do I need to do a marathon or half marathon? Why do I need to be the fittest in that room and smash everybody else? That was Mm. more me than you. (laughs) Like You just were the fittest. (laughs) Whereas I was like, I will beast myself to do this. No, but that's the thing. You know, like we've, this is what we always say, like we've, we've been there. Like we can relate in more ways than you you could imagine you know that it we probably, probably goes back to my disastrous contemporary jans at gcse i've been trying to make up for it yeah. in every yeah. every crossfit class or like I might a, good at contemporary dance but <laughs> every gym session since i've been like <laughs> no but but that was how you were dealing with what was going on at that stage in your life you know what i mean like you said like you but know an element is conforming i think as well like i think people who go into triathlons and races you are trying to be i say conforming you're trying to be as fit as everyone else or fitter than everyone else yeah yeah and that again is not a bad goal to have necessarily i think the hard thing is it's perceived as a healthy goal you know i'm entering a race everyone goes yay do you see what i mean but it, it's really going to depend on the individual as to whether it's a healthy thing to do. We have actually had talks about this where I've said to you, stop entering <clears throat> competitions because yeah. you've got too much going on in your 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 workload at the moment to add that extra element of pressure to yourself. Yeah, yeah. It should be something that you're kind of doing around the, the downtime in the yeah. you know the summer when it's a bit quieter in the business or when it's never quiet with that business. But like we but, spoke about before, for me it was like a distraction technique. It was yeah, yeah. it was for me to justify taking time away because I was I suppose I was trying to escape my day-to-day a little bit so it was like oh I know I'll run a marathon oh I know I'll enter a boxing match do you know what I mean yeah yeah and the reality was like I was not doing them for the right reasons I wasn't doing them for me ultimately you know it neither ended as as I wanted them to so that you know, as I've said before, it kind of ended up actually being just another frustration for me in the end. So yeah, yeah. I think for a lot of things, it's... it's. I think you are, you, essentially, you're, you're proving yourself sometimes mm. with these things. And it's got a quite, quite a negative connotation. Because, like you said, it means that you maybe push your body to places it shouldn't go. And I'll never forget getting multiple injuries and going to a, a physio gym in Clapham. And Jonathan Lewis was the one I saw. He was actually a um, we knew him through the kettlebell yeah, community great guy. and he kind of sat me down and I think he was probably 10 years ahead of me and that we had just been to Budapest trained on kettlebells there's kind of a the, the hard thing about kettlebells is that there is almost a ladder to climb with it so it was kind of that's how we were trained yeah. you've got to be able to lift this much do this many double rack squats snatch this weight do this many pull-ups so we were kind of put on this ladder that as competitive people anyway you were then constantly going oh am I at level two yet am I this and you know so probably a dangerous place for for me to go for sure and I went to I overtrained to try to get to kind of the next qualification and and went to see him and he was like tell me how you've structured your week (laughs) in terms of um training and recovery and I was like what structure <laughs> yeah structure and then he, he was like smash myself every day yeah he was like talk me through <laughs> intensity and periodization I was like no I just train really hard every day Monday smash it <laughs> Tuesday smash it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and it was he was quite a powerful person for me to sit down mm-hmm. in front of because he was like how long do you want to train for 
Yeah. Um, because, and, and then he talked me through some of his injuries. Um, and it was really nice that he shared that with me because you have also this perception of a lot of people teaching you are perfect. Mm. All the nutritionists are coming in yeah, going, yeah. I live on kale. I have my old glass of red wine. But otherwise, you know, but you know, don't touch sugar. I don't touch BPAs. You know, I never come into contact with plastics. I, I shield myself. <laughs> but it's the same with the trainers. We would be like, God, they just, they look amazing. I bet their diet's perfect. And it was really nice when I have been in front of, yeah. this has been the most powerful thing coaches can do for me is share their their kind of struggles and their mm. fails and their lessons that came off the back of it and let me know they're not perfect and it's something you and I have con- consistently conveyed in our yeah, messages yeah, our, yeah, for our sure. social media our books but he was really amazing for kind of going these are the mistakes you make with you know intense training generally but especially once you kind of get into a, a, a crowd like kettlebell training or crossfit it's the, mm. you know the intensity the that kind of thing um start getting your recovery in place your full days off your phone rolling your rotational work all this kind of stuff um and i remember that kind of stuck with me i didn't it took me a while to get my head around it but you know of course it does it's and it's it's like we've said before you almost need to you almost need to go there though you almost need to experience the the dark times. Yeah, you know, the, the injuries, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the, you know, the not being able to do certain exercises because you're in pain to go, oh, actually, I do need to do something about this. And it's really hard sometimes, I think, to convince someone who isn't there yet yeah, yeah. that that's what they need to do. Even though if you can be like, I've been there, I did this, I don't want you to make the same mistakes I did. They're like, yeah, whatever, old man. <laughs> yeah, you know, it does go back to think of a teenager. Every bit of advice an adult gives you as a yeah. teenager, you're like, what would you know? Like, what would you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, lots of um, students ask me about this with te- when you're working with teenagers. And I say, the thing is, you they have to have reached their pain point with yeah. it. And they have to want to know this, not their parents. Yeah. You can tell the parents the most perfect plan ever if they are not in board, on board. And I thought I was invincible as a teenager. Like you couldn't tell me to do a lot of stuff. I would say the exception was if anyone had told me what I could do about acne and nutrition, I would have listened because I was really desperate. But when it came to like warm up and cool down in my twenties, like nah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course, like, same, same, same. You're like, what a waste of time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas now I'm like, blimey, you know, I love a long warm up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Half an hour later. Yeah. Do we even need to trade? Yeah, should we call it a day? Was that enough? But but this has all come off the back of experience be, being in the being in the game for a long time yeah, yeah. experience working with different people doing different courses certifications going to seminars and just taking little bits and bobs from each person from each course and ultimately making it part of our approach to nutrition to training to our lifestyle choices and I'm aware of the fact that we've not really spoken about <laughs> what we said we were going to speak about but I feel like this is going good chat I think save that for the next episode and we can talk about some of the qualifications, the courses and whatnot that yeah, we have yeah, done and, and the little little bits. Because I think, you know, we've worked with a lot of people, we've worked with like mentors and we've done so many courses now. And, you know, some better than others. Some have like had a much bigger impact on us than others. But I think you and I have both, there's certain things that have really stuck with us yeah. and have re- almost really changed the way that we approach things yeah and in, that's in a, I would say on the next podcast then we'll share that in a much more structured format yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely definitely but if you believe that you believe anything yeah. <laughs> we're, not, we're all like here's what we're going to talk about today oh, yeah. <laughs> oh sorry we didn't talk about that today 
<laughs> but we'll talk it's about so it next bad. week. Can you imagine if you're on like a chat show on TV or something and you've got your guests on, but then yeah. you end up distracting so that, even uh, the guests. Uh, uh, you, you haven't answered my question. So what was the question they, again? They come on to promote their new book or film and we managed to get them talking about something like Scotch Eggs for about an hour yeah. or something. <laughs> probably. We'll find a, you know, we'll, we'll find a, a random subject <laughs> yeah. to throw in there that's completely They'd probably irrelevant. be relieved. I always think it must be so boring when you try to promote a film when you have to go on all yeah. the programmes. Oh, I've got to talk about this again. Yeah. But yeah, but I hope you did enjoy that, guys. Uh, as always, any questions, holla! Info at fitterfood.com or catch us on social media, fitterfood on all platforms. And of course, as always, if you wouldn't mind just sparing a minute to leave us a review, that would be absolutely amazing. Um, we had a couple more new reviews lately and uh, recently, and they were just absolutely lovely. And it genu- we do read them all. And it absolutely makes our day. So, um, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. We do really, really appreciate it. We know everyone's very busy, but you know, yeah, just a minute. That'd be, that'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> Super. Super. Um, so, guys, big, big love. Have a cracking day wherever you are in the world. And we'll see you in episode 161. Bye bye. See ya. Bye.